Yes, and good morning to you. Are you glad to be here? I tell you, yeah, come on now, let's just clap. I'm telling you what. You know, I told the deacons we met on Wednesday night, I said, you know, the church is really just doing well. Look around at all the people, and keep in mind there was another 50-plus that were here at our first service. Um, and then this choir this morning, did you notice how many of those were young men up here? Just a ama- yes, yeah, just a ama- I'm telling you. And then my friend Josh, I told him after he sang in first service, I said, Josh, it is just so good to have you back. I forgot how well, how talented you are and how you use that talent for the Lord. Amen. And uh, God, is, God is just really good. And don't forget, God is good. And uh, be sure and give him all the honor and the glory and the praise uh, for that. I'm excited about the message today. It's entitled, Follow the Leader. It's like number three, I think, one, eight, 15. Yeah, is this day 15? Yeah, 15, yeah. So this is our third message, and we talk about this, this idea of following the Lord. When I was a kid, probably in the fourth grade, I think, you know, we were not the richest people on the block. In fact, we didn't even qualify, okay? But, but I think, I know my mom and dad gave me a bike a little bit later, but for some reason, it seems like they gave me a bike like in the fourth grade too. But, but what was cool was, as part of the birthday present, it wasn't Christmas birthday, was that um, they gave me a little tag. And this little tag, it's funny, I remember this, I'm 69 years old, and I still remember what this little tag said in the fourth grade, you know, but it said, and it was even red and white, I can tell you that, it was white with red letters. And, and it said, don't follow me, I'm lost. And I really hope that wasn't a prophetic statement, uh, speaking of my leadership, but isn't that true, though, in culture today? You don't want to follow the wrong person. If you're going to follow someone, you've got to make sure it's the right one. And culture, folks, is lost. You've got, and I mean that spiritually, but I also mean they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. And can I pause here? I didn't know when I was going to stick this in, but I read something this week that I think was just profound, sadly profound. Um, Judy sent me an email um, it was from IBSA, and they had referenced a, a survey from LifeWay Research. And, you know, LifeWay Research is, I mean, a big organization. So I think we can trust these numbers. But, but they were talking about culture, and they were talking about where we are with the Word of God. And it said that, that across the nation, um, for the first time, the pendulum has swung, and a majority, 53% of people, do not consider the Bible as infallible. It doesn't uh, consider it uh, um, entirely true. It doesn't really, it's an ancient writing that has some value, but it's not the Word of God. A majority of people in America that were surveyed feel this way. Um, and, and about 43, 6, 7 percent um, felt like it still is. And, and so, how does that break down? Well, if you look at the, if you look at the Northeast, um, I think, now I'm, I'm pulling this from my memory, I think it was 67 percent of people do not believe in the Bible. 67%. See, y'all are wondering, you, you, you beat your head against the wall and you wonder why culture is the way it is. That's it. That's it. People today doubt God and they doubt the validity of God. And by the way, that has to do with the message, in case you're wondering if I'm just chasing a rabbit. Okay? So 67%. And surprisingly, a little bit less than that was the West Coast. And it was about 57% of the people do not believe. Now, let that soak in. Do not believe the word of God is reliable and true. Here where we live, in the Midwest, it's 50-50. It's a toss-up, 50-50, which means in Harrisburg, 
about 50% of the people believe the Word of God is the Word of God, and 50% don't. And frankly, in a lot of churches, I'm not saying this church, but in a lot of churches, that number remains the same. You know, we've always thrown out there our hat in the ring about divorce, that the divorce rate for, for the church and for culture is the same. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a chunk of people who are Christians who say, well, you know, I, I know the Bible's a good book, but, but really, all truth, a lot of people will wrestle with that. So if you want to know why culture is doing, you know, what it's doing, and if you want to know why it's important you don't follow culture, that is why. That is why. When you are choosing, when you are choosing your leader, choose carefully. Choose carefully. So today I want to spend my time talking to you about how it's important that the Lord is not only your shepherd, but he's also your leader. I thought it important. I thought it important that we go ahead and look at a review from um, last week because I think it's that crucial. Now, our slide says it. Not, not quite yet, Jamal. I set you up, didn't I? I set you up before. I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I really think this is important. 23 for 23. Um, what we're looking at over, I guess, the first week in February, what we're looking at um, is Psalm 23 being principles and promises that we can apply to our lives for 23. So as we jump into this crazy year and it's going to be a crazy year okay culture that's just where we are you know it's going to be a crazy year as we jump into 23 we need some guidance and, and some principles and promises and psalm 23 is that i think it's so appropriate now go ahead jamal let's look at that review i thought it important you know because see there's going to be a test um it's not going to be with me and but it's going to be with your life Okay, so in the coming days, weeks, and months of 2023, there's going to be a test about what you believe about God and, and his role in your life. So I thought it important we go back and look real quickly, we're not going to linger, real quickly at these important principles uh, that we've already learned. For instance, that David, okay, written by a shepherd, David says, well, the Lord is my shepherd, and the word Lord there is capitalized, so we know it's talking about Jehovah God, it's talking about creator God. God, okay? Not religion, not church, not a giant scale, not keeping the rules. David understood that Jehovah God was his personal, and that's huge, personal shepherd. If you remember why we talked about, you know, because David was a shepherd, he understood the role of the shepherd. Um, If you remember right, we talked about that the shepherd served as the protector of the sheep. And you need to understand that if you are a Jesus follower, that your shepherd, Jesus, is your protector. It is not the government, okay? It's not whatever you have to be relying on today to make sure you can live tomorrow, okay? All right? No. God, if you're a Jesus follower, God is your shepherd. He's your protector. But not only that, he's your provider. And again, I know how easy it is to depend on what the stock market says or what your 401k says um, or what your job status says. I know and understand all of that. But we must understand that God, Jesus, our shepherd, is our provider. But the one thing I love the most, the one thing I love the most is what I said at, at the end of this point, actually two weeks in a row, this will be the third week, is that as the shepherd had to take care of Assume full responsibility for the sheep. It's the responsibility of the shepherd to totally care for his flock. And I want you to understand that God, God, assumes full responsibility for you. 
God, not the, again, let me ask it again, not the church, not religion, not the giant scale, not keeping the rules, none of that. God assumes full responsibility for you. And if you're going to have someone taking care of you and, and being an being a, a authority figure in your life, boy, the fact that God, you can't be God, okay? So he assumes full responsibility for you. And then, and because of that, David says, I have all that I need. He's my, do you remember the word from last week? Jaira. He's my Jaira. He's my provider. The key words together, Jehovah Jaira, God is my provider. Okay? So David recognized this. And as an example, he said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And I chose this translation because of the key words, he makes me. See, God is a God who gave us rest. He intended for us to rest. God rested not because he was tired, but God rested, knew the importance of rest, uh, for taking a break. And we need to rediscover that in our lives. We are, we are timeaholics. I mean, we, we work ourselves to death. We play ourselves to death. We run, 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 run. And again, I mentioned last week, we run home after church day, and you'll be thinking, what do we need to do this week, okay? But, but God's word comes along and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And of course, that's for food but it's also for rest. It's also for rest. God wants us to take a break. God wants us to rest. He encourages it. He plans it. And boy, if I had time, we would talk about this today. He forces it. I remember back when I had COVID number one, you know, back then you had to quit for 10 days. And I remember sitting home for 10 days and finally, about day number six or seven, I think I said to Judy, I said, you know what? It just really seems like one of the things God is doing in my life right now, he's making me rest. He's making me slow down. He's making me stop. Because sometimes we are not man or woman enough to do that. So Rick Warren said this week in a devotion, he said, often our mishandling of, of rest is a real sign of spiritual immaturity. Immaturity. We think the world can't go on without us, so we refuse to rest. Well, David said, well, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, which is, again, a sign of fear. You know, we talked about the sheep were so afraid of the water, and God didn't send us to something we can fear, had to fear, but whether a place where we can find peace. And that can be beside the most raging, raging water in your life. Because you see, God is greater than the water. Amen? God is greater than the storm. God is greater than the raging sea that, that my, you might be facing right now. God is greater. He makes me lie down in still water. I guess you could say that in the hands of God, every raging water becomes calm. Every raging water becomes calm. He stills my soul, uh, my waters, he's, besides the waters. He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. He replenishes my soul. He's a God who refills us. Now, now that's the setup for what I'm fixing to say, that, that God is this incredible God. Now, listen, if you're having doubt, I'm going to tell you this. If you are having doubts as a believer about the Word of God, spend some time talking to God about that because you've got to anchor two things. You've got to anchor the position of God in your life. We're going to talk about that today. And you've got to anchor your belief in the Word of God. You're going to find it difficult to follow Jesus if you doubt what God said. If you, if you find yourself saying, well, God said it maybe, okay, or maybe that's true, you're going to find yourself as a Christian in deep weeds fast. This is just one of those non-negotiables. We got to nail down our position on the Word of God. So I set this up because in the last part of verse number three, he says three words. He leads me. 
He leads me. Now, John Maxwell says something that's really important because this really magnifies. It's so funny how God took uh, just one word today and really just helped me to really understand what he wanted me to share um, with you today. He leads me. Because, see, we're going to follow somebody. We're going to follow somebody. And the the question becomes, who are we going to follow? I already told you, culture is a bad idea. Well, let, let me break this out in a different way for you. John Maxwell, now again, that name probably means nothing to no one besides maybe me and a couple others. But back before all the young preacher bucks, like Greg Rochelle, who I, I greatly like, but man, he is a, he is a leadership uh, you know, guru. He's just huge in leadership. Well, long before there was the Greg Rochelles and others that really thought and taught leadership, there was this guy. Uh, John Maxwell is probably 85 five years old, 81 years old now. But way back when, when I was a lot younger, you'd go to his workshops and he would teach you about leadership. And here's what he said. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. Now you need to write that down if you're taking notes. Leadership is influence, plain and simple. So, So if you're a leader at work and you want to know if you're being effective as a leader, you see the influence you have on your people. They always said... That if you're a leader and you turn around and no one's following you, you're not a leader. You're not a leader. And by the way, that's true in your family. Gentlemen, ladies, you, want to say, you, know, you say, well, you turn around and no one's following. Okay, that's just a sign that, that maybe you're not the leader that you think you are. Okay, so here's the two questions that are hugely important. Now, remember what John Maxwell said. Leadership is influence, plain and simple. So here's my question, number one. First, as a Jesus follower. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, take a pass on this, okay? As a Jesus follower, how are you allowing Jesus to influence you? So if you want to know, well, you know, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I want you to know, yeah, I follow Jesus. I mean, he is my leader. Okay, 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 okay. Here's, Here's a litmus test. If you want to know if Jesus is your leader, and if you want to know if you're following Jesus, look at the influence that he has in your life. In other words, as you look at your life, what what is the DNA, what is the imprint of Jesus that you notice and others notice about you? And the truth is, if he's not influencing your life, you're not following him. You're, no matter how often you go to church, no matter you know, what religion you claim or how many memberships and churches you've got, if, if you're going along and you say, yeah, Jesus, I follow Jesus, he's my leader, but there's no influence on your life, then there's something dreadfully wrong. And you really need to look at that. You really need to look out and understand. You know, his, his values... You know, his worldview, how he treated people, how he treated his enemies, how he treated those that he loved. Those are all things that as Jesus lived and we become Jesus followers, those should be influences that are showing up on our lives. So if leadership um, is influenced, plain and simple, how is Jesus influencing your life? Have you ever thought about this? It's really kind of amazing. Jesus walked the earth how many years? 33, how many public ministry? Three, yeah, three. Three years. Just about three years, he he lived a public ministry life. He chose 12 guys, okay? And Jesus Iscariot was a a bad egg from the beginning. Um, In my opinion, there's no doubt that he was not a Christian. He was not a true Jesus follower. He was in it for whatever he could get from it. 
Um, okay, but the other 11, for three years, Jesus walked with them. And he poured his life into them. He, he influenced them for three years. Again, how you treat people, how you, how you view God, all these different things. He influenced those 11 men, okay? Jesus goes to a Roman cross. He dies. He's buried for three days. He comes back to life on the third day. He walks on the earth for 40 days. He ascends to heaven, and these guys are left, okay? Now, here's what's cool. God used those 11 days to, to do, an, I'm 11 guys, to do an amazing work on earth. There are two of them named Peter and John, and they were talking about Jesus, and the Sanhedrin didn't like that, so they're kind of drugged in front of the Sanhedrin. But here's what's amazing. When they get there, you know, Peter and John are talking, okay, and sharing, and they're going, what, huh, what? And, and the Bible says in Acts 4.13, the Bible says that when they saw Peter and John, and they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they were amazed. Where, where did they learn that boldness? That's from Jesus, from the imprint of Jesus on their lives. And, and then they said, and then they said, well, you know what? These guys don't even have any formal training. I mean, they were just fishermen and normal guys, and they, they were uneducated men, okay? And yet they were amazed at these men. And here's the deal. You know what the last thing they say? They could tell they had been with Jesus. Now, of course, the question becomes this. Can people tell that we've been with Jesus? Now, would you excuse me just for a moment to forbidden a dead horse? Not that you've been to church. Church is not a really big life changer. Have you figured that out? You may enjoy the sermon. You may enjoy the worship. But it's really not a big life changer. Not, not that all of a sudden, January 1st, you got religion. Not that. Do they tell that you've been with Jesus? Can they tell that by the way you treat people, the way you live, your thought process, your worldview, and all of that? In Acts 4.13, they could tell these guys they were uneducated, they were unlikely candidates, but they had this strange boldness, and they concluded, these guys have been with Jesus. Folks, culture needs to know we've been with Jesus. They don't know, need to know we've been to church. They don't need to know we got religion. They need to know we've been with Jesus. But that only happens when he becomes our leader. And remember, leadership, plain and simple, is influence. That he is our leader. We're a follower and he's a leader. And his, his life, his teaching has influenced us. That is so hugely so Maxwell says, influence, plain and simple, is two questions. First, as a Jesus follower, how are you allowing Jesus to influence you? And how are you influencing others? How are you influencing others? Hey, Daddy, this is Baptist Men's Day. How are you influencing your kids? No, no guilt trip, honest. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. But this is very important stuff. Dad, how are you influencing your family for Jesus. 
How are you impacting your wife for Jesus? How are you impacting your children for Jesus? And moms, moms, how are you impacting your husband for Jesus? How are you impacting your kids for Jesus? How are we influencing others? I, I had a good example come up this week. Um, Jeremy wrote me on Thursday and said, hey, you want to meet the barn for, for a quick breakfast? I said, yeah, you know me, free food. So, yeah, that was a no-brainer. So, so we got there, and, you know, I ordered breakfast, and, and here's what I ordered. You know, I said, um, I'd like two eggs, sunny side up. I would like um, three strips of bacon, cooked soft. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. A piece of toast, okay? Now, by the way, if you've never taken your toast and put it under your sunny side egg and break the yolk and eat that, you have not lived. You have not lived. Okay, okay. And the, and the last thing I ordered was a small bowl of grits. Okay. And that sweet server, who happened to be Jeremy's youngest daughter, Caitlin, looked at me and said, blasphemy. She said, do you need sugar with those grits? Sugar with grits? Sugar with grits? I looked at her and I said, what? I said, no, no real southerner puts, puts sugar on sugar on grits. I said to myself, where did she learn that from? Her daddy. Her daddy loves sugar on his grits. And so to her, you know, under his tutage, under his leadership, when you said grits, you said sugar. In my family, you say grits, you say salt, pepper, and butter, and if it's a good day, a little bacon or some cheese. How are you influencing? Jeremy had influenced her that there's only one way to eat grits. Blake, and and that's sugar. How are you impacting your family for Jesus? You know, if you're a sports fan, Dad, if you're a sports fan, there's a good chance that your son follows the same team that you do. Why? Influence. And leadership, plain and simple, is influence. How is Jesus influencing your life? But equally important, how are you influencing others? Well, one plays on two. The first question influenced the second question. The more that you're influenced by Jesus, the greater the chance you're going to impact others for Jesus. What does that look like? What does one look like? What does it look like, okay, for Jesus to influence your life? Well, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. This is one of my favorite verses. You know, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, lean on the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, you know, allow God to influence you. Allow Jesus to influence you. And then as he influences you, you quit leaning on yourself and you lean on him. And in all your ways, this is so important. In all your ways. Somebody say all your ways. Now, I'm telling you this is important. This is worth the price of admission. When we trust the Lord with all our heart, we allow him to to um, lead us and lean not on our own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Now, I'm not messing with the word of God, okay? But when we acknowledge him, we give him permission to influence us. 
Okay? So in all your ways, allow him to influence you. That's acknowledgement. You're not him as Lord. And if, you know, if he's the leader, he's the Lord and he's the leader, and leadership plain and simple um, uh, you know, is, is influence, okay? In all your ways, allow him to influence you, and guess what's going to happen? And he shall direct, he shall direct your paths. Another translation says, he will make smooth your path. Another translation says, he'll make straight your path. Regardless, here's the big news. When we, when we know Jesus is Lord, and that makes him the leader, and we understand that leadership, plain and simple, is influence, and we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, we don't lean and try to do it ourselves. Rather, we lead, yield to his influence, okay? In all our ways, we're going to acknowledge him and say, God, you, God, I give you permission to influence me. In fact, God, I want you to influence me. And he's going to make your path direct, smooth, and straight. That is a better 23 than you've got planned. That is a better 23 than you've got planned. Your best, listen, your best efforts at 2023 will fail. Your best efforts at 2023 are going to fail. But when we allow God to be the leader and be the Lord, submit to his leadership, his influence, acknowledge him... We have a whole different 23, and his 23 is better than your 23. That's just the way it is. So it leads us back then to part two of verse three. You know, he leads me. He leads me. Now, where is he going to lead you? Now, this is why I think personally, this might be why we wrestle so much with God. It might be a reason why we struggle with submitting to the leadership of God. Because honestly, can we be honest? We like it better when we are in control. It's hard to yield control. So when we say, when David said, he leads me, and you as a Jesus follower, then you say, okay, now I'm going to make Jesus my leader. I'm going to allow him to influence my life. When, when that becomes true, okay, it impacts our life entirely. Our teaching point says this, and this is really good, too. Can I just tell you? You know, God knows where you are today. Thank you. God knows. Listen, some of you right now are in the dark. It's that song that Josh sang. It's coming to the conclusion that even if he don't, I will trust. So today you're dark. You're in a dark world. I want to assure you as your pastor, if I've got any trust at all with you, I want to assure you that God knows where you are. He's not like a, a parent who, through best efforts, loses a kid in Walmart. He knows where you are today. And guess what? He knows where you're going to be tomorrow, where you need to be tomorrow. Amen. He knows where you're going to need to be tomorrow. See, we're all stressed about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. God knows where you are today. He also knows where you need to be tomorrow. But look at that last phrase and how to get you there. God has this tremendous plan for you, and he knows how to get you where you need to be tomorrow. But you've got to trust him and follow his leading. You've got to say, okay, Jesus, the Lord, the leader, the influence. The Lord, the leader, the influence. 
The Lord, the leader, submission. The Lord, the leader, surrender. 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 You know, in Hebrews 11, 8, and again, you're not going to get, you're going to get like one-third of the message today. And that was intentional. I mean, I knew, I knew this morning was going to happen. But, but I, I drew out a scripture from Hebrews 11 about Abraham. Because, you know, in Abraham, we see our life story. We see our life. Now, we have a little bit better than Abraham did, but there's a whole lot there. And in Hebrews 11, 8a, okay, um, the Bible says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home, boy, I like that, to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as its inheritance. Isn't that a great verse? It gets better when we break it down. You know, it's like pecan pie. Let's go on the plate. It's better if you chew it. Okay, look at this. It was by faith. Now, can I say for certainty that Abraham was not a scholar in faith. It was a, it was a concept for him. I mean, he didn't, he, didn't even have the assur- hmm. he didn't have the assurance that when a calf was born, that was going to live. He didn't have the assurance that when a seed was planted, you know, it was going to grow. Oh, shoot, we got it made. We walked in, flipped the lights on. We fully expect those lights. Come on, you got in your car today, and you turned the switch, and you fully expected that car to start. We know about faith. He didn't. He really didn't know a whole lot about faith at all. He was certainly not a faith scholar. And then it says that Abraham. Do you know what Abraham was at this point? He was a pagan. He didn't have a clue about God. His world consisted of many false gods. And here, this pagan exercises something that's totally new and foreign. See, when you trust Jesus, I understand faith can be really foreign to you. I mean, you're used to saying, I can handle this, I can do it. So I understand if you're new in your faith, and maybe if you're not new, I get it because we want to be in control. But this pagan obeyed. When God called him, oh, guess what? He didn't know anything about God either. I mean, he had no clue. And yet this pagan exercised something he wasn't even familiar with and listened to a voice from a God that he did not know. That's why this is so big. And guess what? He obeyed. And when God said, I want you to leave home, I want you to leave home, and I want you to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He obeyed. And that, a lot, is what we do in our faith. And we don't get this. We, we, have, re, we have boiled down our, our quote, relationship, our, our, our religion, to, to, to two hours on Sunday, and an occasional bump, we'll pray and ask God to fix it. This is where God calls us. We got the advantage. We know about faith, and we know about God. We don't know how to leave home. We just don't do that well. We like security, and we like the kind of security that we make because it's tangible. We can feel it. We can taste it. We like that. But God said, no. 
No, I want you to leave home and go to a place you don't know. I want you to go. So I guess my question is this. So are you willing this year? Are you you willing this year to leave home and go where God wants you to go? Are you willing this year to leave home and go where God wants you to go? Are you willing to leave your comfort zone and go where God wants you to go? Are you willing to to leave where you are comfortable, the level of faith and all of that? Are Are you willing to leave what is comfortable and go to what might be really uncomfortable? Isn't that a great question? Now listen, this this is what's going to carry you through 2023. I mean, if you, want to, if you want proof of that, look at culture who has no faith, no God, and look how they're doing. Yet look at someone you know who has left home and gone and followed God through faith. That was a pagan, and God saved them. And they choose to make Jesus the Lord and leader. And they say, God, I want you, Jesus, I want you to influence my life. I want you to influence my life. Look at that. And ask yourself, which one do you want to follow? Um, Hebrews 11, 8b is my favorite. Um, look at this. Look, look at this. He went without knowing where he was going. Is that not the craziest thing you ever heard? Can I do it one more time? A practice called faith he didn't know anything about. He was a pagan, okay? A God he did not know or understand speaks and says, I want you to leave your home and go to another place that you can inherit. And he didn't have a clue where he was going. This, okay, look, look, look. Are you looking at me? This is what you wrestle with. This is what I wrestle with. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what tomorrow holds. I want to know what what next year holds. I want to know where I'm going. Okay, I'll tell you this now so I won't forget. We have about just a little bit and we're done. I want you to get this. Faith doesn't always have the answers. Now, you just need to know that. If, If some preacher hadn't taught you that, I'm the guy. Faith doesn't always have the answers. In fact, faith never requires the answers. Faith doesn't have the answers, and faith doesn't require the answers. It simply obeys. That's faith. That's faith. In fact, let's look at that next teaching point um, there. Um, Go up to following the leader requires faith there, Jamal. Following the leader requires faith. Faith. The Bible teaches that we are to walk by faith. Um, In fact, the New Living Translation says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing and not seeing. So, So we walk, we live by this thing called faith. And then it goes on and says this, And that our faith does not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. See, human wisdom says it's got to be logical. 
practical. It's got to make sense to me. Okay? And yet Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.5, our faith doesn't rest on human wisdom. You won't... Let me make it... Can I just make it simple for you? You won't have the answers. My nephew, 42 years old, great guy, godly man, has a very serious form of cancer. Justin Settles, a godly man, has cancer. Broken hearts in our church, people who have died and, and we didn't understand. It doesn't rest on human wisdom. Faith doesn't require the answers. It requires us to trust. It rests on God's Well, let me close with a quote. And uh, it's from Harrietta, Henrietta C. Mears. Now, I, don't, you know, I always try to give credit. I don't want to be guilty of plagiarism. But um, you say, well, who is Hen- Henrietta C. Mears? Well, first off, it's pretty cool that she's a lady. Okay. Secondly, it's pretty cool that she was the, one of the founders of mod- the modern Sunday school movement. That's pretty cool. And this name won't mean a lot to, to many of you, but for some of you it will. Does the name Bill Bright ring a bell? Yeah, he was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, one of the largest evangelism movements in America, and some would argue the world. Uh, does this name mean anything to you? Billy Graham? Yeah, Billy Graham. Well, Miss, Miss Mears was a counselor slash mentor to these two great men. So I think that means that whatever she says, we might want to pay attention to. Here's what she said. I know not the way he leads me. Now, isn't that true? Isn't that true with Abraham? Isn't it true with us? Has God ever... Have you ever heard God speak? Now, whether you said yes or no doesn't matter. But you ever had God nudge you and say, I want you to do this, like change jobs, change careers, have a third child? Oh, we did. Should have quit. No, I was going to say we should have quit too, but don't let Sarah hear that. <laughs> Uh-oh, Judy gave me the look. Judy gave me the look. But you know, you know, I know not the way he leads me, but well do I know the guide. As we journey in 2023, we won't have all the answers. It may even sound like, feel like God's on vacation. But even if, oh, Josh, what a great song. Even if you don't, I will trust. So as we launch into 2023, we know about the Lord being our shepherd. Rest in the fact he wants to lead you. He wants to lead you. And leadership, plain and simple, is influence. How is God influencing, how is Jesus influencing your life? And how do you want him to influence your life in 2023? And how are you influencing others? Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you so much for listening today. I think... To me, this would be one of those sermons that's very applicable, and I like that. I hope it'll help you in 2023. I hope it will help you 
um, not only to get through, not to just survive, but to thrive. Now, I mentioned the cross today. There's a God who loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And our first priority would be trying to answer your questions. As God speaks to your heart today, do you want to become a Christ follower? And Brent can help you with that to answer your questions. Um, if you're here today, and I know a lot of us are Christ followers, we're Jesus followers. You know, how much are you willing in 2023 to let Jesus influence you? How much are you willing in 2023 to let Jesus influence you? And mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, hey, everyday Joe, how much are we willing to influence others for the cause of Christ? Now, we just heard there's a culture out there who half of them don't even believe the Bible anymore. So they've got to see something. Oh, 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 this is good. They've got to see something in our lives that will cause them to say, you know what, I, I'm not even sure I believe in God anymore, and I'm not even sure I believe in the Bible anymore, but when I see your life, I've got questions because you're so authentic and real, maybe my doubts are misplaced. What a huge thing. Hey, hey, your, your children, they're growing up in a culture that they're taught that God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. That God's to be doubted. So, you know, what's the best way, Dwayne? Influence them for Jesus. Influence them for Jesus. So, God, have your will and way in this time of decision. And if I want to pray, Lord, that if there's someone here who needs Christ, that today would be that day. And then, Father, if there's the rest of us who really need to surrender to you, that you are Lord, that you are leader, and that we're wanting you, we're desiring you to influence our lives so we can influence others. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.